But he's super cool that he could do that. I think it's awesome that he could do that. I don't do that very well at all, and this has to be on my left side. So, super excited you're here today. Super excited to be able to uh, preach. Um, I won't lie to you. This is like, this makes my heart like just flutter. I love to get up in front of people, and I love to get in front of people and talk about the gospel and talk about these things. And I'm super excited that you're here. I believe without a doubt God wants to speak to you. Um, He spoke to me. Um, He pulled me out and basically just beat me up, just basically just building this thing. Um, I in no way, shape, or form are this, this, I'm I'm not smart at all, trust me. So this right here is all from God. First off, Happy New Year. Think about it. 2018. 2018, 2017, it seemed like it flew by, especially once you're into 2018. You're like, oh my goodness, there's all these things I didn't do, but I should have done. True? Right? Absolutely. I know that's how I feel. That's always how I feel. Um, question. Who made New Year's resolutions? You're a l- Some of y'all are liars. We have a lot of praying we have to do. Some of y'all do not make resolutions because you're sitting there going, I forgot it was the new year. But some of us in this room, we basically make New Year's resolutions. Um, my wife makes them for me. I don't get to make my own. Um, she basically tells me, hey, you're doing this and you're going to eat healthier and you're going to uh, probably start working out more, and I'm sitting there going, <laughs> good luck with that. And so I try my best to try to, I guess, you know, do the honeydew list and try to do what I'm supposed to do. Um, I fail miserably, miserably. Um, she amazingly has the most amount of grace. Um, Jesus' grace and her grace is really, no, it's not that, nearly close to that. But it's really and truly her grace is amazing when it comes down to me and the lack of husband, I guess I am. But one day I'll try to try to try to hit those goals but my wife is not really one of those people who basically is always trying to lose weight but she's one of those crazy healthy eaters where she wants to eat every single thing and she wants to know where it came from and what's it all about me on the other hand ah, I don't care whatever you got you know what I mean I, I, I literally will eat anything and that's always the bad thing she's like he literally will eat anything you put in front of him and that's sometimes the worst thing that's really bad but when it comes down to that we all make resolutions Mostly, mostly as an ex-teacher, my resolutions never came this time of year. My resolutions always came in August, right before school started, going, this year we're going to do this, and this year we're going to do that, and this year I'm going to do this differently, and I'm going to do this differently. And even, even as, a, as a youth pastor, at the end of the summer, I still tend to go, all right, next summer we're going to do this better, next spring we're going to do this better, and that's still how I feel. And as some of my teacher friends, y'all totally get me, y'all know what I'm talking about there. But how long do they last? How long do my big plans, my big plans, how long do my big plans last? Because the thing is, our plans have no strength. They have, no, they have nothing other than our word. And really and truly, what are we trying to do? Just make ourselves better? If you look, I'm going to, in the uh, USA.gov has top 10 New Year's resolutions. And this is what they are. I just found, found them funny. Number one, what do you think it is? Lose weight. Lose weight. No doubt about it. Number one, lose weight. And some of us in this room, that is exactly where we find ourselves. Anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. not gonna, I'm not here to be mean about your New Year's resolution. What I'm trying to make us see is really and truly that they're, they're, they are everywhere. Number two is to manage our debt and save money. Three is to get physically fit. Like, I guess get more muscles. I guess that's what that is. I'm way off on that one. Um, four, eat healthy, my wife, five, learn something new, six, drink less alcohol, seven, 
quit smoking. Eight, reduce stress. I don't know how to do that with three kids, though. Um, nine, take a trip. Ten, volunteer to help. And if you think about it, that is a New Year's resolution. That's to change us. But what changes in the new year? Think about it. In 2017, what changed in our world? Like, what changed in the world around us in 2017? Did our world change? It changed a lot, didn't it? Think about it. Korea. Think about it when it comes down to uh, terrorism. Just different lines being drawn, like people who are fighting. All these different policies and crazy things that are going on. Think about our country. What's changed? Our president. We've got a new president this year. Um, there's always a new headline. Right? And there will be a headline when we get home. Right? It's just waiting on us. Things changed in 2017. And some of us, like it changed really way too fast. Think about our families. Did our families change in 2017? Some of us might have, we have a lot of people having babies around here. Um, they uh, had something in the water. I don't know what it is. But when it comes down to it, we have a lot of brand new babies in here. We have a lot of people who are adding to their family. We have some people who are losing some of their family. And 2017, some of us want to forget it and just put it in the past. Some of us are like, oh, my goodness, we've got to keep this thing going. It's just, we have too much stuff going good. I don't want to mess it up. Hopefully 2018 will be just as good as 2017. And some of us don't want to even think about 2017 because it has so much hurt, and that's what you defined it as is so much hurt and so much pain. Every one of us in this room have a story about 2017. What was it known for? And every one of us in this room have something that's going to happen in 2018 that it will identify what that year meant to you. And that's rough. That's rough for all of us. If we look and we think, if we think about what has changed in you, what about you? If I was to ask, okay, we know what happened with the world, we know what happened with the country, we know what happened with your family, but how have you changed? Have you become more bitter? Have you become more angry? Have you become more maybe happy and joyful and, and excited about life? Because really and truly, we find ourselves in this really, really big up and down motion that when things are going good, we're great. But when things are going bad, it's bad. As a pastor, me and Bobby, we get to see you very little when you're up here, but we get to see you a lot when you're down here. This is where we see you. The cool part about us is that we get to, we get to be at all kinds of really neat things. We get to be at, at babies' births. We get to be at people getting married. We get to be at people's funerals. In the last so many weeks, what's crazy is that I've been to probably about five or six funerals. And when being at funerals, really and truly, it makes you think, that year counts. This time we have counts. And it makes you think, what are you doing with your time? You have a certain amount of time, and what are you doing with it? Because if you think about it, really all a year is, it's just a trip on the earth around the sun. It takes 365 days and a fourth. There's a fourth because there's a leap year in there. But it takes 365 years in there. But when you think about it, that's all it is. It's just us going around. So really, actually, the time that you have is limited. Charles Spurgeon looks at it this way. He always says that basically 
you really and truly don't know how old you are because you don't know when, you're, when you die. Because if you die at 20 and you're 18, well, you're old. Because technically, you don't know how old you really are until then. Now, I'm not trying to freak people out. My wife was like, don't get up there and start talking about people dying. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. And I wouldn't do that. Okay? Just to get, you see where my, my I, got, I got two Holy Spirits. I've told you all that before. My first Holy Spirit is the one inside of me. The second one is the one that's in the nursery back there. She's not in this room right now, so I can say whatever I want. So it's good. So let's look. I want you to turn in James 4. And we're going to look at James 4. But while you're talking to James, looking at James 4, we're going to look at this. Four out of five people break their resolutions. In other words, one person out of five people can actually keep a New Year's resolution. One-third of those people who break it, break it before the end of January. Some of you have broken it already, and it's the first week. We uh, haven't even made it one whole week. And some of you are like, dude, I've already lost it. It's already gone. I haven't even made it even a whole week. And the truth is, really and truly, why did you make it in the first place? It was really interesting. You was thinking about it. We make these resolutions to do what? And, and the youth group answered this question great today. It was to basically is to make ourselves better. Think about it. To make ourselves better. How do you make yourself better? I, I talk to people all the time. I talk to uh, people who are in relationships, and they're always trying to fix somebody else. And what's so funny, especially about how we are as humans, is that we try to fix someone else. You can't even fix yourself, and yet we are willing to try to help someone else fix their problem. Think about that. We are trying to help someone and change them to help them fix who they are. Now, if you think about that, it's kind of crazy. It's pretty crazy. So tell me, did you change in 2007? If you changed in 2007, did you change for better or did you change for worse? Let's look there at James, James 4. James 4, we're in the, uh, the last little paragraph there, starting in verse 13. We're going to look there what it says about basically trying to predict the future in all these, in all these things. Let's look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time. And then it vanishes. I read that out loud to my wife. She's read it a thousand times. And she immediately said, oh, my goodness, you are not going to preach about that. And because and, the reason why, she's like, that's so much doom and gloom. And the reason why I think this doom and gloom, think about it. It says there, he's so harsh. James, at this time, James, this is after Jesus has ascended. Je Jesus has ascended into heaven. Pentecost has already happened. Stephen was just stoned to death for, for believing in Jesus. So people like Paul are hunting them down. And this is called, when James has written, it is written during a time of the dispersion. At this time, all Christians are running for the hills. They are hiding because they are all being hunted to be murdered for believing in Jesus. So when he writes, when James writes, he writes incredibly blunt, incredibly fast, really, really quick. Really, really quick. So when you think about it, and you think about James, what I love about it is I love to sit down and talk to some of our older men in this church because they're as blunt as it gets. They're as real as it gets. 
James is one of these people who's as real as he gets. In five chapters, he tells basically how to live the Christian life. And it's, he's, he's flat out and blunt. He's a lot like one of the Old Testament books, Ecclesiastes. If you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes is basically a very grumpy old man who has everything and has done everything. And he talks a lot like this. So if you think about verse 14, look again at verse 14. It says, What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's kind of, that's not something that you just walk up to somebody and say. But that right there is something that is very impactful and very straightforward. In Ecclesiastes, he goes in, the, 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 the author of Ecclesiastes basically is, again, a man. In Ecclesiastes 1.14, he says this. He says, I have seen everything, and I have done everything under the sun. Now, we believe this is, could be Solomon, but it doesn't technically say. But this man has done everything under the sun, and behold, all is vanity. If you look at our New Year's resolutions, most of it's all about us. It's all about us. It's about how to improve us, how to fix us. This year, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to white knuckle the steering wheel, and I'm going to fix this and fix my problems all by myself. There's nothing more anti-gospel than that. And I'm not saying anything wrong with the New Year's resolutions. I think it's fine if you want to try to eat right, do things like that. But the purpose behind it, if it's just to make yourself better, it's strictly and purely vanity. It's all about you. If it's all about you, then it's not about Jesus. Now, if Jesus is leading you to, because listen to me, he wants you to be healthy and he wants you to be, I'm not trying to say that because my wife is like all mad because I was saying that. But she, he wants you to eat right. He wants you to do these things. He wants you to take care of your temple. I'm not saying that. But what is the meaning behind it? What's the purpose behind it? Uh, in James, he's saying, hey, you're going to say you're going to go in such and such a town and do such and such a things. You're going to go into town and do business. What, really? You're only here for a, for a little while, and yet you're going to try to tell us, tell God what you're going to do? Think about it. You do this. I do this. We try to tell God, this is what I'm going to do this year. This is how I'm going to live my life. This is how I'm going to lead my family. And I don't care what you have to say, God, because my way is, is better and is smarter than yours. And some of us don't even realize we do it. Because we do things that we know we shouldn't, but it's just the easiest thing to do. So we do it. Like, we don't pray with our family. We know we should, but we don't. We don't call our dad, our mom. We don't love on people who are not lovable. We don't try to volunteer and help. We might not even join a church. Some of us in this room need to give our lives to Jesus, and we've always just put him off on the back burner. And all we do is we say, God, when I get it all right, I'll fix it. Then I'll fix me. We know what to do, but yet we do not do it. Look there, look there in James. Continue there, verse 15, it says, Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. For it is you, you boast in your arrogance. Such boasting is evil. 
So when we say, God, I'm going to do this, and we're not asking, I'm going to do God's will because I've prayed about it, I've thought about it, we've worked through this, God has led me to this, instead of, you know what, I'm good, I'll take care of me, and I'll see God on Wednesday, no, 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 we're not going to Wednesday, I've got things to do, I've got practice to go to, we, instead, I'll see God, and I'll talk to God just on Sunday, and we'll, we'll have the appearance when we walk into church, because here's the deal, some of us in this room walk into here and we want everyone to think we have everything perfect. And the truth is, listen to me, that's really and truly not church. Church is walking in here and realizing that everyone in this room is broken. Everyone in this room has something that they're hiding and everybody in this room has something that they need to give to Jesus. So do I. So does Bobby. And we try our best to give everything we have. We need to leave it on the altar. That's what this altar's for. That's what your heart's for. And that's why he gave you the Holy Spirit. Some of you are sitting here going, you are talking Greek to me and you're making me uncomfortable. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you and saying, you know what? Yeah. The Ecclesiastes writer, the entire book, I mean, literally in seminary, this is exactly what they teach you. The entire book is about this. Literally. Life is meaningless meaningless it's completely meaningless except for the last chapter he says this in ecclesiastes 12 13 he says the in the in matter in other words in conclusion in conclusion of always saying everything's about vanity everything we do for ourselves is all about us anything we try to do is always about trying to trying to fix me and figure me out all these things are all about me and then what he says is this he says in conclusion After all of this has been heard, the only things that matter is this. He says, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. So the Ecclesiastes writer who says he knows all things and has done all things, has had or seen everything under the sun, says the only thing that matters is fearing God. Not fearing like scared but fearing like, God, I owe you everything. And keeping his commandments. Now, some of us in this room, we walk in here and go, you know what, I'm not going in there and feeling bad about anything I did wrong. Because, I'm not, because I love my sin. The truth is, truth is, Charles Spurgeon, again, his quote is, if you love your sin, you do not love Jesus. If you love your sin, think about it, do you love it? That one thing that, that you know that's keeping you from having that amazing relationship with Jesus, that one thing that keeps getting in your way, is that one thing, is it keeping you from that amazing relationship with Jesus that you can have? Knowing him in an intimate way, setting, basically living your life for him, that one sin, you love it so much that you'll go, you know what, no one knows about it. No one needs to know about it. It's my business. It's my problem. You know what? I'll come here on Sunday, look the part. But really and truly, I'm not going to change. I love it too much. Jesus says, if you love that, then you don't love me. And and we'll see that. Look there, the last, let's, let's start there again at 15. Instead, you ought to say, let's go again, we're in James 15, it says, Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord 
wills it, we will live and do this or that. As it is that it, it is you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Verse 17. This is a key verse. Verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So let me ask you a question about New Year's resolutions. What are you doing that you know you should do, that God has laid on your heart, that you keep on putting off? That you keep on saying, God, I know how I should live. I know I should stop. I know I should be doing these things. But you know what? I'll do that when I get older, because when I get older, I'll have time to go to church. I'll have time to care more, because right now, I'm way too popular. I'm way too, I'm making way too much money. I'm doing way too many good things. Instead, we think to ourselves, God, I, I, don't, I don't have time for that. But yet, God has showed it to your heart. He has said that. Again, the last verse says this. It says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Think about it. You know what to do, but yet you don't do it. You know what to do. Charles Stanley, I was listening to him this week on the radio, and um, I love the little segments they give you on the radio about these little pastors. One thing Charles Stanley said was that he always feels like he has so many people come up to him and say, you know what, I want to change my life. I want to go to church. I want to join a church, but I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I'm waiting for things to get right. That's insane. Because nothing's ever going to be right. You're not going to get right and then find Jesus. You're going to find Jesus and then get right. We think in our lives that we are going to basically change that philosophy. That God is basically going to give us the ability to be our own Holy Spirit and that we are going to somehow fix ourselves and then look like we're good. No, you are never going to be good. Ever. And what that is going to do is believing and trusting in Jesus is that's what sets you free. That's what sets you free from all the bondage of sin that you have and all the things that you feel like you could be. Because what you can be is nothing on yourself, but it's everything in Jesus. And I know I'm yelling and getting excited because I do get that way. I apologize. Um, this is nothing compared to one of them I did. So, so again, my wife, again, my second Holy Spirit told me this. Okay, great. You told them the doom and gloom. Now tell them how to fix it. Okay. So let's tell you how to fix it. Same chapter. Go up. Go up a couple of verses. Let's go to verse 6. Actually, let's go to verse 4. Because basically James is saying the same thing that I'm saying to you. He says, he goes, you adulterous people. You people who are loving everything but not God, you adulterous people who are chasing after everything else, you adulterous people, it says that in verse 4. You can't look at your Bible, it says it. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with this world is an enemy with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. We're, we read verses like that and think to ourselves, oh no, I'm good. 
I became a Christian when I was 10 years old, and I have everything figured out. He saved me from there, and yet there's been no transformation from when you were from 10 years old to now. If you have Jesus in your heart, you transform, you change. If you are following Christ, you are changing. I am not going to be the same person I was in 17. I'm not. I'm going to be different in 18. And my hope and goal is not to be different financially, different job. Hopefully not. I love you. Um, all, my, my goal is to be more infatuated and more in love with Jesus. Because if I love Jesus, everything else will take care of itself. I don't have a clue what's ahead, and neither do you. But God will will, and, he, and I trust him that I know what's ahead. Keep looking there. Verse 6, it says this, and this is what we need. This is the feel good, okay? I'm going to let you feel good here. But God gives, gives grace. Okay, God gives grace. So when you're down here, he can pull you up. Listen to me. There's not one person in this room who has sinned too much that God cannot, his grace, will not reach down and pull you up. There's nobody in this room who is too far off the path to find out that, you know what? God, that Jesus died for me and his grace reaches down and he picks me up. Nobody in this room, nobody can say, I can't get it right. Yeah, you can. You can. Because even the, the ability for you to believe that you believe in Jesus was God-given. That God gave you that ability to believe in him. You didn't just one day say, you know what, I want someone to basically regulate how I live my life. You don't want that. Okay, except for a wife. Your wife. My wife does that. But anyway, but other than that, when you think about it, we don't want God because we are so dirty and we have so much sin. We basically, he gave us the ability to love him. He gave us that ability. For those who don't know him, God's calling you. He's wanting you to know him in an intimate, intimate way. Look there again, verse 6, it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes, he opposes the people who won't admit that they have problems. He opposes you. In other words, he rejects you. If you admit that you have everything figured out, which no one in this room does, and you admit that, hey, I, I am not struggling with anything, well, you struggle with lying, <laughs> okay? I'm just letting you know that, okay? It says... God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. So he's given us instructions. Submit yourself to God. In other words, humble yourself to God. Resist the devil. Run from, run from evil things. And he will flee from you. And Hey, that's, a, that's, a, that's not a question. That's a command. If you resist the devil, he will flee from you. If you run from things that are wicked, you won't become wicked. Okay? Like, that's a command. Another command right here says this, verse 18, and this is a promise. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify the, your hearts, you double-minded. Think about it. He's saying it's a promise. If you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. 
So here's the deal. Some of us in this room are going to be completely arrogant and leave here today and leave 2018 to where it's all about God. No, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I know you're telling me to do it, but I'm going to do what I want. And God's saying, if you do that, you are, you are too proud to admit that you have something wrong. And again, let's read verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. I know that I've been mean, and I apologize I've been mean, um, but I feel like God really and truly, he, he pointed at me and he said, Clint, you have things that are not right. Right now I'm doing, I'm doing seminary, and I have to read like 100 pages a week. Okay, it's crazy on all the stuff I have to read. But what's hard for me, and listen to me, it's hard for me to read God's word. I'm being honest, and I want you to pray for me about it. It's hard, because I have to do it for an assignment, so it means where it almost feels like it's work, right? So what the problem is, is that when I read God's word, it feels like it's work instead of something that I really want to do. And I pray that you, pr you pray for me, because I'm admitting to you that I've sinned, that I've messed up, that I need my desire to get into God's word and just to live there and just to be able to take and just be able to pour that on me and my family and pray with my kids more because I need to do that. We pray every night, but you know what? I haven't gotten my devotional and my Bible out because I just lost that. Oh, here we go. I gotta, you want know, to learn what I learned in seminary last week? And I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a seminary student who gets up and just always tells you what I learned last week. I want to tell you something that I'm passionate about. So today, I'm telling you, I'm messed up. And so have you. To act like you're too proud is a sin. Um, as a pastor, I can tell you this. And... Um, I don't have a clue what 2018 is going to hold for you. Some of you, it's going to, you're going to get a promotion at work. Some of you are about to have a baby. Some of you are about to go to the Navy. Navy, baby, Navy. You're going to go to the Navy. She leaves in like, what, how many days? Tuesday. She leaves Tuesday, and she's gone. We're done with her. Whew. That's Carly. Carly is leaving. We have some people who basically... You're going to have awesome things happen. You're going to save money. You're going to lose the weight that you promised that you would lose, or even the ones who didn't. You're going to try to figure out how to do it. Um, you're going to, some of you, listen to me. Some of you in this room are going to get saved by Jesus. And you're going to believe that he died on the cross and he covers all your sin. And that, that without a doubt, that now you have this, this division that's been between you and God is gone. And that you can walk to his throne and you can be able to know without a doubt that you are forgiven of all your sins. Not because of anything that you've done, because you've done nothing good and everything you've done is a filthy rag. But what you have done is that you believe in Jesus, that he's covered all your sins. That is the most amazing thing. Some of you in this room are going to get baptized and you're going to get dunked in the water right there. Some of you might get dunked in, in water at another church and I don't care. I just want you in the water. Okay? Some of you are going to join a church. Might be this church. It might not be. I pray that the gospel is the center of whichever one it is, the real gospel. But some of you in this room are going to have some 
life-altering things. Some of you are going to volunteer. Some of you are going to go on a mission trip because Bobby's going to drag you there. True? Yes. Okay. You better get your passports. He wasn't joking. He was serious when he said that. Some of you are going to lose your job. I know that because I get those phone calls every once in a while. Some of you are going to fight with your family. And you're going to struggle with that. Some of you, I hate to say it, are going to get divorced. It just breaks my heart. Some of you are going to lose a family member. And it's going to be the biggest pit of your life. Our lives change, but our God does not. Our God never changes. He never changes. No matter how deep the pit is or how high the mountaintop is, no matter where we are, he's the one who deserves all the glory because he never changes, and me and you constantly change. We are like a crazy, crazy roller coaster, and God is as straight as an arrow. Why do we put our hope and our faith in everything but God? 2018, this is what I'm asking. 2018, and the, the band can come up, but 2018, let it be the year that you started off right. Let it be the year that you know without a doubt that God is in control, that God is the one who's basically holding on to you. Think about the sin that you have, what God has shown you, but yet you have ignored it. How long are you going to put him off? We're going to have to wait till 2019? Well, God will be here, and I hope I will be. But you know what? Your God never changes. I might not be. Bobby might not be. Your Sunday school teacher might not be here. But God will be. Our amazing God never changes. Are we going to put him off? This last, what's funny about this and what I forgot to mention early is you guys let me preach this sermon last year. The first one of the year. You guys let me do it and I got to do it and I went back and looked at my notes and I got to see the scripture that I went through. And I went through Isaiah 43. And I'm going to read it to you and that's really and truly how I want to close today. Let me read it to you. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. It says this. It says, remember not the former things. Remember not the past. Nor consider the old things. Forget 2017. But behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? Guys, do you see it? Our church has changed so much in 2017. We have a new pastor. We go on mission trips. We are wild and crazy and all excited. We change, but God never, ever changes. Are you going to ignore him? Are you going to literally look at him in 2018 and say, God, I'll wait. I'm not ready yet. Are you saying, God, you're right? Why not? Let's, let's pray. 
Lord God, I, I, I thank you so much for this opportunity. To be able to speak to this congregation, to people that I love, and God, to admit that I, am a, I have failed you, that I l- lose a little bit of this passion that people always talk about, that God, that I have, have made mistakes. But God, I pray for these people in this room that they would realize that there are things that aren't right. There are things in their life that they have, have shortcomings. Some of this, some of the people in this room are just as scared of commitment. We are scared to commitment of who we are with, or we're scared to commit to a church, our church family. We are scared to commit to you and become saved and be baptized. God, I pray, Lord, that we just treat you like God and quit treating you like somebody we can just put off. That we step up and that we live the life that we say we do and we quit pretending when we walk into church that we live for Jesus. That God, I know church can be better than this. That this congregation, this is just the beginning because today is a new day and the old is gone. Lord, I I pray that people would come forward if they are feeling God's spirit. Nothing that's fake, but things that are real. Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would convict our hearts. That you wouldn't speak to our ears and our eyes, but you would speak to our hearts and you would break them. Because we're broken. God, I love you. I I love you. In your name we pray. Amen.